Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Cheering crowd sound, it's concerts, concerts that made us, concerts that made us.com. Hey, this is James from Temples on Mars, and you're listening to Concerts That Made Us. <laughs> Yeah. 
our future fell from the sky What would you do if you only had one day left to use? Would you tell all your lovers, all your friends that you love them? Would you run through the streets and murder all your enemies? You're very welcome to concerts that made us. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. It's fantastic to have you now. I'm looking forward to diving into your music over the next bit. You guys released Smile on July 14th. What exactly can you tell us about it? Um, well, I mean, lyrically, the track is obviously, well, it's quite quite blatant really it's, it's all about what would you do if you only had one day left to use and um you know there were no consequences of tomorrow and we obviously offer up several options uh of how to spend your time um and yeah i mean it's just, just a big dirty slab of uh sort of grungy rock with a bit of pro some proggy elements in sections but you know it's, it's pretty straight up track um it was one i think it was a later later addition to what's going to be the forthcoming album um and it's just yeah it's just a track that that kept popping out to us so we decided to go for it as a single and you know it's, it's getting good feedback and uh people seem to like it he's right and you know it's uh it's not one of the usual Lyrically, it's not one of the usual songs you'd, you'd hear like, oh, I was going down to the shop or I was on a date. Where did the inspiration for it come from? Um, <laughs> well, so um, one of the producers uh, we we work with, um, a mate of mine from New Zealand, uh, Paul Matthews, who who also has moved over to the UK around the same time as me, uh, you know, over 10 years ago now, Um you know, we spent a lot of time sitting in the studio just talking about life. And uh, I don't know, somehow we just got talking about, you know, what if you're walking down the street with a tomahawk? Um, what would you do if there were no consequences, if, if someone annoyed you, basically? Um, and then the whole thing spiraled from there, got, got a bit out of control. Um, obviously, we haven't followed through with any of these actions. You know, disclaimer, disclaimer. Um yeah, and that's kind of where it started. And then we we're like, well, okay, what would you do if you only had one day left to use? And we kind of, you know, made a few notes and then it kind of ended up in, in some lyrics. And I don't know. And they kind of in the background, I had, uh, I don't know if you know the movie Falling Down with Michael Douglas. Absolutely love it. One of my favorites. Right. So that that was kind of like, 
when we were sort of writing the lyrics and you know when I was when I was tracking the the vocals, that was kind of the image I had in my head that you know hence the the going down in flames line. Um, it was it was it was a bit of a, a bit of a bit of a period um, over, over two or three weeks. We we got this together and the silly period, but um, you know the the results are all right. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. And what was the recording process for the track like then? Um, so most of our um, songs, we it's quite collaborative. Like one of us, usually myself, Daz or G, will come up with a a concept or maybe like you know three or four, or sometimes eight, nine, ten minute piece of music. And then we kind of like all have a go at it and try and make it into sort of the the best sounding thing it could be. Um, but Smile, we had quite a bit of back and forth. I think originally we had like sort of three choruses and less verses, but you know it was kind of part of the term. But you know, climaxing too early, so we kind of shuffled around the music, added a few sections. It, it was very collaborative, and then the lyrics was you know. I normally just, well, the vocals, I should say, uh, I normally start with a, a melody and a lyrical concept, and we it just kind of evolves very organically from there, and we just keep getting it until we're like, is this as good as it can be? And, yeah, I hopefully get as close to the final result, and then uh, Daz does all our uh, mixing and production. Uh, Prior to being in the band, well, he still is a, a producer and mixer. So um, he's a great asset to have in the band. So he still does that as well for, for other artists. So he comes and adds his magic. And then, yeah, off to mastering and, and release. Right, right. And you know, the music video, it was directed by your bassist, Darren. That was kind of handy. Was that kind of like a, we could pay someone to do it? Or here, Darren, you just do it and we don't have to pay you. <laughs> Um, well, the thing is, we, we, we already knew what we wanted. Um, so I, I'm not sure I should give away too much, but, but Darren also used to work for a very big, um, online media company. Uh, let's just, let's just keep it at that. Um, and he has, he has a lot of experience in directing video and, uh, you know, working with, you know, global artists. So it was like, well, we could pay someone to kind of do what we want, or we have a guy you know, who's multi-talented in the band that can do it. Um, what, what, why would we go elsewhere? Um, and, you know, the concept was like kind of evolved over time as well. Like um, I think originally I had the idea for, it was very extravagant. All my ideas are always start as very extravagant and, and dad's comes along and goes, okay, well really practically mate, how are we going to put this together? you know, on, on a budget. So um, I had the idea of the masks and the colourful suits. Um, I think my idea, everyone was wearing um, masks that could, could actually change and everyone was wearing different coloured suits, but in the end, we ended up with pink suits and static masks. Um, and then, yeah, we we also worked with a um, an animator who did the uh, robots, uh, you know, from a, from a very you know, basic concept. So um, that was Zach from Studface Productions. He, he did a good job there. He also did our, our Daydreamer video. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it was purely, it wasn't like purely just to, to save money. It was like, we kind of already knew what we wanted. We had a location, we had a, you know, a camera guy to work with. It's like, well, what, why go elsewhere and pay, pay more money for something you might not be happy with? True, true, yeah. And, you know, I'm sure there's many listeners out there now wanting to hear details on the upcoming album. It was finished last year, but still not out. What can you tell us about it at this stage? Um, well, well, I mean, I can I can give you several reasons why it hasn't been out yet. Um, so, uh, you know, we've had various, uh, I think, different individual band members have had stuff going on, not, not necessarily directly with them, but family stuff. You know, extended family, um, which has mean we'd had to had to take you know a month off here, a month off there, and that's just kind of piled up also, um, and basically created a six month delay in our release. And, it, and like I said in our little conversation before, and now it's just about timing. You know, we don't want to um, to to rush. I mean, it's it's done, but we don't want to rush the the promo and um, you know release the record to nobody at the same time we don't want to wait too long and then end up competing with like cliff richard for the number one christmas single <laughs> or, or or mariah carey one of those two um but, you know yeah. we, we, don't, we don't want to do that so it's, it's like it's if, if we can we're going to try and get it out over the next few months but obviously before the christmas period or very early next year mm. probably not in january where everyone's still suicidal we'll just wait till february people <laughs> got some money again yeah, February when everyone is loved up and you know more appreciative of new music. Yeah, well, I hope. I mean, I'm hoping for this year still, but yeah, we just gotta get a few things in in line first. Like I said, we don't don't want to not have any promo because you know you spend all this time and money and and you know working energy on a record and just for it to come out and just sort of be a drop in the ocean. You know, I have to mention you worked with Josh Freeze, who's since gone on to, as everyone knows, join the Foo Fighters. What was that like, and how did you manage to wrangle him onto the record? Um, well, I mean, first of all, I'm just really surprised he left us for the Foo Fighters. I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I really don't understand his decision making process there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell him I said that as well in the interview. Um, so Josh, Josh, that was a really that we were very lucky really um it was kind of sort of like the, the end of covid um and we really wanted to like we, we'd had this record like our album is basically you know once it's released we're going to release the whole story behind it and you know why different delays and all this kind of stuff but it was like we, we were ready to go with this at the beginning of 2020 like 2020 we we played sold out 229 in london with one of our favorite bands night versus and we're like man this is going to be like the year for the band and then like i think two weeks later it was like lockdown and sort of since then there's been all sorts of little surprises and and roadblocks but sort of total towards the end of or the middle of 2020 we released an ep which is kind of like a you know dif different versions of our a debut album temples on mars i think it was a five track ep um and that was kind of cool but then we're like man we really need to release like we've got all these songs written we really needed to release something and our drummer it was still studios weren't open he's got an electric drum kit at his house but he 
at the time he's like well i can't really put down studio drums so he's like i'm happy for someone else to do that literally um and then just i don't know through connections uh daz uh, messaged me one morning and said hey what, what would you think about josh freeze drumming on the record and i was like well, I don't have to think about that too much. I was like, how much does he want? Expecting the fee to be astronomical. But it turns out even the huge pro musicians during COVID and lockdown couldn't go out and play gigs. So he was basically tracking studio stuff from his house in California. So, I mean, he did, he hasn't done all the tracks, but he just did the first few so we could start releasing music again. I mean, we, we could have recorded it with electric drums and you know substituted some samples but there's, there's just no well in our opinion other people with different opinions um for our kind of music there's nothing like the the feel of a of a live drummer you know, we, we don't um many bands like you know put everything exactly on the grid edit the hell out of it uh we don't do that we always have a bit of push and pull in our tracks um and just you know, especially someone like Josh, you know, he's got a great feel, and he, he's probably he's probably drummed on the most albums. Well, probably the person who's drummed on the most albums alive, you know, in the rock music industry and and pop right now. I think, yeah, I think last time he was like four hundred albums when I checked. He's probably more than that now. So, you know, it was it was it was a blessing in disguise, really. Like you know, it was great to have him, basically because of COVID and and him doing studio work. So I think he's done like four or five of the tracks. Um, and then by the time we're sort of ready to do the rest, uh, we could, we've got our own studio. We could, we had that back up and running and our, our drummer Dean slotted back in and, uh, you know, he's done an excellent job. Like you can't really tell which drummer did which track, to be honest. You wouldn't want to say that too loud or the Foo Fighters might be looking for him next. <laughs> we, we, we can swap. It's fine. <laughs> I'll take it. And uh, before we move on to some early influence questions, I have to ask, overall, what's your favourite and least favourite part of making new music? Ooh, um, this sounds really stupid, but like, I mean, my favourite part is when it's just like some days just the flow and the inspiration, like everything is right. Um, my least favorite part is like, you know, the overall concept is good, but it's just not working. And it's just that figuring out why by trial and error. Um, Cause I mean, I naturally, I, I wouldn't say I'm super impatient, but I like to always be moving forward. Um, and sometimes you're yeah, taking a step back and, you know, having to refresh, rethink. I do find that a bit frustrating. But you know, I've I've accepted that as a part of the process. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You kind of have to, I suppose. And uh, you know, this one is a bit of an odd one now, or a bit of a hard one now. But if you can, can you remember your earliest musical memory? Ooh, um, I'm thinking like, I mean, do nursery rhymes count? They can, I mean, they can. <laughs> I, I mean, they're not very cool. I mean, I do remember, I think, um, 
my dad had Bowie records. Um, and I've always always loved Bowie since then. So I mean, I remember yeah, being very young age, trying to uh, sing along with that because um, he had some, I think, very low spec uh, mics you could plug into the into the stereo when we were kids. Um, I'm glad I, I don't think we had a, a, a video camera at the time. It was probably uh, a good thing. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's that, that kind of stuff in the in the lounge and I've rainy sunday late morning afternoon trying to sing along to the old man's uh bowie records i think it was uh i think it was stardust era or what was the other one uh what's the one with the dogs god it's not the tin white juke is it no no is it diamond dogs i want to say i uh, might be wrong uh it sounds yeah I think that sounds right. And, uh, you know, then your teenage years, I always find that that's when you really embrace music and find what genres you really like. So what sort of music were you exposed to and how did it mold you into the musician you are today? Um, well, so up until the age of about 10 or 11, I was, you know, much to my mother's pleasure, uh, studying violin. I was doing all the grades. You know, I was, mm. I was the good boy. And then I think one of my mates, he's like, check this shit out. And I was like, ACDC Thunderstruck. I was like, <laughs> that intro, I was, that was, that was life-changing for me. Um, I think he, he had the, uh, the recording from his old man as well. And I was like, how are they making, you know, the, the Angus Young intro, I was like, how are they making that sound? Because at the time, like, I don't think any of my parents' friends played electric guitar. You know, the Bowie mm. stuff and all that was cool, but it didn't really have that ACDC sound. Mm. So that that was kind of a bit of a defining moment when I was like, I want to do that. And then, you know, I got uh, my parents to get me some guitar lessons. Um, and, yeah, I very quickly got into you know of course went heavier and heavier um acdc was like the the gateway drug and then i think you know not long later it was iron maiden and metallica and uh they got some yeah at the time sort of more obscure uh heavier more european stuff um like bands like creator i don't know if you know them i do i do um, and then one of my friends, like at, at the time, this was like the, the, uh, the most evil music he had, he had a day side cassette. I don't know if you know them. No, actually. So it's like the, the singer, you know, obviously day side, it's all about, well, I say all about, I'm not sure how authentic it is these days, but you know, Glenn Benton, the singer has like a upside down cross burned onto his forehead. You know, we we thought we were really cool. We thought we were really extreme at the time. There's obviously way more extreme music than that now. Um, but yeah, I just got heavier and heavier. And then uh, for some reason, I started to like electronic music as well. Um, and then, so f for me, like I've I've worked out over the years, it's just like I like music that has a, just a, a certain vibe. Because mm. so I really like dark and dirty drum and bass. 
um but also like really emotive classical music like anything that really makes me like feel something um th th and that's how i do it like these days my my, my playlists are, are wide and varied um but yeah i mean diff different different activities i seem to go back to a certain genre like if i'm running or working out or something oh it's normally like middle core or real evil drum and bass <laughs> something something high energy that's making me pumped up uh but yeah it's uh that's probably yeah mainly yeah guitar electronic based music was sort of my my teenage years um but I, you know I, I haven't really stopped like I keep discovering, well, as a musician, like, you know, some people stop and say, no, no, I only like everything from 1991 to 1999. Uh, but there's, good, there's, you know, awesome stuff coming out all the time, like, you know, some really amazing, you know, musicians from all sorts of genres. Um, I don't know if you know bands like Polyphia. If you've heard those, um, you know that they, they don't have vocalists. They're just just phenomenal guitaring, done in a very tasteful way. Beautiful tones. Bad Omens, also another really fresh, cool band. They've been around for a while, mind you, but yeah, new to me, like three years ago. So I'm always on the lookout, and you know, always take suggestions. So feel feel free to to drop me some as well. <laughs> I will, I will, and. Uh... I'm looking forward to hearing about this now. Hopefully, it's a good answer. As a concert goer, what concerts would you say have made you? Oh, right. I'm just trying to think of my most defining ones, the most memorable ones that always come back to me. Um, probably, I mean, because I grew up in, in New Zealand, uh, as you can probably tell by my my very uh, smooth accent. Um, <laughs> Never would have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> it did get actually one year. It did get invo voted the sexiest accent in the world. Really? I, I can't quote you which year, but it, it <laughs> is there. If you if you Google it, it's, it's there somewhere. Okay, I believe you. <laughs> well, I mean, I just don't know who was listening to it because they must have something wrong with them. Um, <laughs> so we New Zealand would have like this. There was like one festival every year. Like every, I think it was like Jan, mid January, which is summertime there. Obviously, it always rained, and they just bring like all the biggest bands, um, well that they could afford at the time, I guess, over. So every year it would be like a, a big mix up as well. It would be predominantly rock, you know, some heavier acts. Then you have like random acts pop up, like uh, Beastie Boys, Björk, you know, all, all sorts of. Eclect, more eclectic headliners, I, w I would say, like Chemical Brothers, Prodigy. Um, so, I mean, obviously, I didn't love those festivals, but as a music lover, it was the best they had. Um, obviously, I've been to much better festivals since then and bigger and, you know, more smoothly run. Because obviously, with a melting pot of different subcultures, they were always bit of an aggro element as well. It wasn't the most relaxing festival I've ever been to. I could imagine. Um, yeah, but, but so that, that definitely had a an impact on me. And, you know, I remember being, being at those festivals, you know, 
when I was obviously much younger, just thinking, you know, I I wanna I want to be playing on those stages someday. Um, and I did actually get to one of the venues they they had it at. I did get to play on one of those stages eventually. Obviously not in Temples on Mars on another band. Um, and then one band that I can't get away from, and just I just keep coming back to who I've seen the most. I'm not like an obsessive fan. They're just like they're just shit hot, and like I can't not love them. Um, is Tool really? Yeah, I've I I don't know what it is. I just I got into them in well in the nineties, um, and then they just happen to be the band I have seen the most. I don't go out of my way. I don't follow Tool. I don't stalk Tool. But every time I see them, like their show gets bigger and better, and it's just, yeah. I think, yeah, musically, musicianship. They might, you know, people like will argue. Yes, they don't have any, you know, poppy songs and stuff. But Tool don't give a shit. That's not what they're about. They're about, you know, doing what they want to do, and doing it to just. A phenomenal level. So, Tool have had a big impact on me, um, in terms of, you know, being motivational, inspirational, something to aspire to. And then, controversially, like the first time I saw him, is with a fella called Marilyn Manson. <laughs> right. Now that guy, like, when he was obviously quite a bit younger, he his stage presence live show was just something that no one else was doing. Like now there's obviously a lot of shock bands around. So I remember, I think it was like, I'm going to say 99, 2000 ish. Um, when I saw him for the first time, I was like, Whoa, Oh my God, what is this? Um, I need a great lineup at the time. I think John five, who's now playing for Motley Crue was, was still his guitarist back then. Oh man! So it was a very sick gig, um, but then subsequently I saw him at the Hammersmiths. Well, it's not called Hammersmith Apollo anymore; it's Eventum Apollo over here in London, and it was not as impressive. Oh really? No, he's just—he just doesn't care anymore. I don't think, or maybe he was having a bad day. It was a—it was—it was not like like it used to be. Wasn't it wasn't terrible, but yeah, wasn't as good. Um, and then another festival that has a special place in my heart. This is going to be the last one, by the way. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I'm sure sure you don't have all night to talk. Um, is D- Download Festival UK? Mm. Um, so obviously I've been going to Download for a few years as a fan, and last year we were fortunate enough to play Download Festival, and that was. Just to, to step the other side of the, the crowd barrier was, you know, an experience I'll never forget. That was amazing. Um, and hopefully it's not the last time either. Very nice segue now, because for any listeners who haven't caught one of your shows, what can they expect? Lay it all out for them. Ooh, um, what can they expect? I mean, like we keep adding elements to the live show i mean it depends as well like if if it's a support slot obviously they can expect the uh singles 
normally, we, but basically, for the support slot, we normally pack our set full of singles. Um, we add an extra uh, touring guitarist, so we end up with three uh, big baritone guitars. So it's, it's quite a heavy sound. Dad, Daz will bring out his uh, his synth as well, so he's playing synth and bass. There's quite a lot going on. Um, if it's our own headline show, we've got it. Um, you know, we we sync it up with our own light show. Um, you know, we, we we spend quite a bit of time on, you know, trying to produce something that people want to come see rather than just like four blokes standing on a stage and in, in static lighting. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we also like you know, try to have a bit of. We, we, you know, some bands don't want to talk to the crowd. Other bands talk too much. You know, we're not we're not like Steel Panther. We don't tell jokes. Um, nothing's really choreographed or anything. Like it kind of just happens on the night. But you know, we we normally have like to have a bit of energy exchange with the crowd, um, back and forth, a bit of bands. Um, I'm not sure I'm really selling it. It just sounds like a band playing. Um, <laughs> I'd like to say we've got lasers, but we haven't quite got there yet. Um, we, we did have screens for a while um, with images synced up to all our music. Um, but yeah, just with the, if you're playing festivals or support slots where you have a limited change over time, it gets a bit, um, I don't know, restrictive. Like, yeah, you you got to pick and choose what, what you can do. But yeah, if it was our own headline show, and it's probably not far away um, in terms of what we can do, you know, we'll probably get a, get a few screens back in there. Just, yeah, make a, a bit of an event. Sounds like a, a hell of a time. And you mentioned you played Download Festival. You've played Macmillan Fest, Prague Power and Planet Rock Winter's End. When you're playing gigs on that level, what do you learn? Oh, uh, I, I keep saying ooh tonight. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's just the day of ooh. Uh, well, obviously, you get to rub shoulders with much bigger acts. Um, that can go both ways. Some like to talk to you, others want to be left alone. You know, and we're we're cool with that. We respect that because everyone's everyone's walking their own path, doing their own thing, got their own stuff going on. Uh, but you know, if you get a chance, we normally talk to the other artists, uh, other artists management. You see what other people are doing, like you know. Obviously, musically, playing-wise, technology-wise, like you know, we, we you know, we're a band that's not against moving forward technology-wise. So we're we're always looking like who's using what amps, you know, what sample pads, um, and then also you learn a lot about your own band's sort of setup. Like if you have a festival slot, sometimes it's only like fifteen minutes between bands, so you got to be able to get the other guy's stuff off. Obviously, you've got a stage crew, but you, your stuff's got to be able to be set up really quick and work every time. Or else you get, you know, I saw, um, I think it was 12 Foot Ninja at Download. Like, their their whole rig didn't work, and, you know, they had a half-hour slot, and I think they played the last 10 minutes of it whilst they spent 20 minutes trying to get the whole thing working. Something like that. But, yeah, it was... It was very sad because it came all the way from Australia for it as well. So yeah, by doing that, you learn how to be a bit smoother, how to, how your setup's a bit more robust, and also yeah, you kind of learn that not everything. You know, sometimes different stages sound different. 
but you just got to be prepared to go with it. Any kind of, I guess you get a bit braver. You know, we we use an in-ear monitoring system, and even though that's great and it's pretty consistent, you know, sometimes a stage might have big subs underneath it, so you're getting a lot of bottom end when you're trying to pitch vocally. But yeah, you just learn to adapt and, and work with stuff, and you know, the more basically the more stuff you do like that, you just get just get more pro, really. Would be the way I describe it. Yeah, take anything that comes and and deal with it. Right, right. And you know, I feel like I know the answer to this, but out of all the gigs and all the concerts you've played, what would you say was the best? What do you relive over and over again in your head? Ah, uh, ooh, uh, ooh! I changed the sound from ah uh, to ooh, and uh, <laughs> back again. I don't know what's wrong with me. So I think it's the end of the day. I think I need need coffee or or some dinner. Or tired. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> don't get me started on that. Um, <laughs> I, I actually I have a really random, uh, nice memory from a concert. So, um, I've got a I've got two boys, and before the first one was born, we didn't know he was coming at the time. But my wife had bought some Bring Me the Horizon tickets oh. for for the O2 uh, Greenwich here in london and yeah i mean that was a very nice memory because she was literally two days away from popping and was like should we go should we not go should we go should we not go and we're like oh fuck it let's just go you know there's there's hospitals near there um but yes yeah, so yeah we had a really nice time she was kind of what's say bouncing around um but yeah a a, a contr- in a controlled manner um watching bring me the horizon and then t- yeah, t- he arrived two days later. So that was that was a really cool, cool gig to go to, for that reason. And he's he loves music, loves rock music. He actually, I don't know if it's anything to do with that, but he does love Bring Me the Horizon. And he's only six <laughs> years old. We're <laughs> starting him off early, huh? <laughs> I, I I'm worried about what he's going to turn into, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and to flip it around, then. Is there an experience you've had that you would say was the worst and how did you deal with it? Ooh, playing, I'm going to go. I had food poisoning once. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you know where this is going to go. But yeah. I mean, I've, I've never missed, I've never missed a show um, because I was sick or because I was tired or because I was hungover or anything like that. So I was sure as hell not going to miss the show. Um, I had both ends going fantastic, which obviously <laughs> as a vocalist, it's not great. No. Just when you're pushing for the high notes, um, anything could happen. But uh, yeah, in about 5 p.m. that day, I was like, it's not looking good, not looking good. Um, dosed up on a modium and various other things. I think I had a had one little spit on the stage, but managed to, to last the set but yeah that was i had to dig so deep for that one. Oh um, my god <laughs> yeah i mean i bet you're regretting asking that question now <laughs> <laughs> well look the main thing is you didn't shoot yourself in front of thousands of people exactly but you know this day and age i it might have been a good thing to do i might be i might be more famous <laughs> yeah true, I mean, oh, true. You're, you're the guy from youtube that shat himself on stage hey i'll buy you a beer <laughs> feel sorry for you 
<laughs> well, you know, you could work it into any future uh, concert you have coming up. <laughs> I've been taking notes this whole call, mate, so don't you worry about that. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> and, you know, when you're on tour, then what sort of antics do you get up to? Anything you can share with us? Any wild partying or? Oh, there's there's definitely been wild partying um, in days gone by, like. Pretty much you name it, it it's happened. Um, I'm going to be really boring though. Uh, this day and age, so our last little tour, I did sober, like zero, nothing. Um, vocally, I was much better. Playing-wise, I was much better. Headspace, everything felt a lot easier. Like obviously, if you're mildly hungover each day, life starts to feel a bit hard. Especially away from home, you're in a van for long, for long hours. We we're still not, you know, we still don't not at nightliner level where we can all just jump in the bunk and go to sleep. We still do travel lodges and a van, basically. <laughs> it's, it's it's not luxurious at all. Uh, so yeah, I just this time around, I was like, well, I'm just gonna do that and see how it goes. And you know, I know it's not very rock and roll, but I think it's just a a sign of maybe being a, a bit more pro and a bit more mature than than when I was twenty one and doing stupid shit all the time. Um, and yeah, well, even even our drummer accompanied me one night. He's like, "All right, fine. If you're not drinking, I'm not going to drink." We were, we were roommates, and the morning he woke up, he's like, "Fucking hell, I feel amazing. I should do this all the time." <laughs> so, but I ne never say never. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like I, I always describe myself as say I'm a bad man trying to be a good man so it'll come back eventually right next time we chat so you're going to have some outlandish stuff to tell me <laughs> <laughs> oh we, we got stories don't worry <laughs> off the record off the record right right and you know when it comes to show time pre-show and post-show rituals how do you psych yourself up and then afterwards how do you wind down um biking up is kind of i Again, as a vocalist, really boring. Like I have to do a vocal warm up. I've got a, I've got a vocal coach, and I have his stuff on on my phone, and I put my headphones in, and I just bugger off to the quietest place I can find, and just do my my warm up routine. Um, I sometimes have a beer. Lately, I have not, um, and then off off. That's probably the easiest part, and because you get the obviously the natural buzz getting on stage, I find the hardest part is is afterwards, when you know show's over, you know, you sold your merch, everyone's going home. It's like cool, I'm all I'm all wound up. What do I do now? And I think that that's why in the past we'd possibly let's go drink twenty five beers, and do all sorts of other stuff we probably shouldn't be doing. Um, but I think you know. If if you're doing sober touring, you go okay, go back to my room, maybe have a have a sit down for half an hour and try to go to sleep, which is what I should have been doing all the other times, but obviously I wasn't. Um, yeah, but that, that's the hardest part. So so yeah, nowadays it's like I go to the room, have something boring like a a chamomile tea to help me calm down, or or maybe something to eat, and then try and try and go to sleep. Especially at the beginning of a tour, because yeah, it it all it all adds up. Yeah, you don't want to burn yourself out. Exactly. 
Yeah. And, you know, how do you balance your personal lives with the demands of being in a band? With a lot of difficulty. I mean, all of us are very fortunate in the fact that this has been a factor in all our sort of like relationships that we have with our, our various partners um, since day one. It's not like we were sitting at home smoking a pipe with slippers on, all happily married, and then said, oh, um, by the way, I'm going to join a band now. It's, it's, it's always been a, a, a facet of of reality of our lives. So it's um, it sometimes can put a strain on it, but I, I think the, we all have very supportive partners over over time they, they they see the progress they they know we're not going out doing stupid stuff wasting time we, you know when we go to rehearsal we are rehearsing we uh you know when we're creating videos and music and records it's it's not just a a bit of a laugh it is you know with a the serious intent behind it um and if it's moving forward it seems that yeah the, the support it, it remains so it's uh yeah there's a bit of bit of a bit of a juggle like you know everyone's got a dog or well, some guys some of the guys got two dogs now <laughs> um i got two kids um mm. which it sounds maybe like it's harder but actually it's easier because the kids are slowly growing up and taking care of themselves and the dogs are kind of they get to a point and don't progress any further <laughs> so you got to find <laughs> kennels and stuff for them and yeah but yeah, we, 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 we manage, we manage, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's all very respectful. Like, um, we have a really nice relationship with all the guys in the band. Everyone's good mates. There's a lot, a lot of love and, uh, support for each other, which is really important. Right. Right. I've often wondered that actually, you're probably the perfect person to ask then since you've two kids i've two myself and i often want i often say to myself if i ever had to travel away for months on end like on a tour or something i don't think i could handle it without bringing them with me like i had to go away for a week for work one time and it absolutely killed me how do you do it um i for some reason i, I can really compartmentalize my life and I would just kind of say, yeah, I'm going away. It sucks, you know. But I can somehow, and probably I need therapy or something, but I can just like put those emotions in it, in a closet somewhere and just I'll deal with it, that later kind of thing. And it may, may, maybe even why I, I, I do music as well. Like I think that definitely I do find music a bit of a, you know, bit, a bit of therapy as well. So... But yeah, no, it is difficult. And, you know, if if I was like, you know, I had the budget, I'd take them with me wherever I went. But yeah, it's just, a, you know, a dirty van with five guys stinking it out. There's no place for like a six-year-old to be hanging out. No, <laughs> he, might be learn, he might learn a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that to him, you know. If it, was like, if it was like, really, you know, a nightliner and nice hotels and, you know, his mum could come and yeah, obviously you got the school thing as well. You know, you can't just take your kids out of school for weeks at a time. And I'm sounding really boring now, but uh, <laughs> no. yeah, that, that's, yeah, it, it, it does suck. Hmm. And, uh, you know, are there any specific 
goals or milestones that you guys want to achieve with the band? Of course, yeah. We've got um like we've got our internal I would say like strategies. Uh like we we work with a a manager, you know, we're like what's next kind of thing. Um you know the record industry these days is all very numbers driven or always has been let's not beat around the bush but you know obviously nowadays that they look at numbers like socials and you know how many spotify plays you're getting so we've got our own like little targets of where we'd like to be this month and three months six months so we got all all that kind of stuff and then we've got like you know when do you know what music do we want to be releasing you know When's the record out? What's the follow up? You know, we're already planning our follow up for when the album's out because obviously the album is a bit delayed. We've had time to work on even newer music to follow that up at, at quite a quick pace. So we've got release goals, we've got you know social Spotify numbers goals. We've got goals. Um, you know, we like we want to play this festival, and you know we'll, we'll push for that festival until we get to play it. So. Um, yeah, and also expanding into, you know, we've played in Europe festivals and stuff before, but it really hasn't picked off as much as it has um, pre-COVID. So we're trying to get back in, into, you know, more more European dates as well. So, but yeah, the, the important thing is like, you know, we want to do everything, but it's making it breaking it down so it's it's manageable because if you're like i want to be as big as metallica that just seems like an impossible task and it probably is an impossible task to be honest but um that's probably not a good example but it's you know you need to break it down and you see you see these bands they're all everyone goes through the the progression um as and some bands don't but i find that sort of meteoric rises especially in, in the rock music industry um seem to kind of fizzle out and we get labeled as a hype band kind of as much as i'd love to be an overnight success uh, there is something to be said for you know going through the paces and you know maybe playing like the the smaller o2 academies and the slightly bigger ones and then you know working your way up exactly exactly you know we're still playing the smaller ones um even though we have played big festivals and stuff it's it's not you know people people's tastes change they forget you especially if you're not out all the time um gigging so but yeah we're realistic as well we know it's 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 requires work um we're not just a a band that turns up and goes hi i want this now you're going to give it all to me we're like and there's so much competition as well. And there's so many shit hot musicians that are way better than us as well. So it's, you gotta be, you gotta be humble when realistic, I think. True. True. And before we dive into the last couple of questions, then future plans that are laid in stone, what's the rest of the year look like for you when it comes to gigs or singles or what can you tell us? Definitely one more single. Uh, we're debating which one and i'm hoping that uh we could squeeze the album out this year as well um 
But again, we don't want to overlap with Cliff and Christmas or Mariah Carey. Uh, so that would be ideal. Um, we've got a, one show confirmed in December at Ampli Yuletide Festival, um, and we're planning a few other ones which are not announced yet um, between now and then. And then, yeah, starting to fill up the calendar. It's scary, really. Starting to fill up the calendar for 2024. Jesus. <laughs> I know. It's just, it's not even worth thinking about, to be honest. It's like the, and that's a problem with the, the music business as well. Like, especially if you're playing live, obviously everything's booked so far out. You know, festivals that have happened this year already, like only if, if, you know, a week or so ago, they're already booking next year's. And they possibly already have that headliners booked for, you know, some of them a few years before. So it's kind of, you have to be on the ball, you know, getting, you know, booking agents to, to get stuff in for you very early on these days. And, you know, if you miss out, it's like you got to wait another whole year for that whole kind of a window to, festivals so yeah we we we've, we got plans good good to hear we, we, we're not here to mess around <laughs> brilliant right we'll uh we'll dive into the last couple so i have three very random odd questions for you but i'm intrigued to see your answers if you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only who would it be pretty mercury Right. I love the quickness and the response. <laughs> oh, he's, he's just like, he's one guy I'm just really gutted I missed. Uh, mm. Just as a, as a vocalist, like, yeah, he's just, I, I maybe people don't like his songs, and I get that, but as a performer and a vocalist, he just, he just had it. Mm. Total master. Yeah, but even without trying, or maybe maybe he he probably did try, but he made it look like it just was effortless, which is just what I love. And yeah. the fact that he'd like make hilarious jokes and in interviews and sit there like smoking cigarettes, doing lines, <laughs> and still saying like that was just like I'm just in in awe of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think there'll ever be anyone like him again. <laughs> <laughs> very very unique person. Yeah. And the next one, so if you had to be locked inside a room with any musician from history for 24 hours, who would it be? That is a really difficult one. I was, for 24 hours, hmm. I, I'm i going to say Slash. Right. Is I, it because he doesn't talk? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, I, he's another guy I, I just love. You know, he might, he's not the most like technical syncopated guitarist in the world. He's not doing crazy time signatures or anything, but I, I just love his playing. I just mm. get him to show, show me some stuff, provided we could have a couple of guitars. I've, I've always tried to learn solos of his when I was younger and, you know, got them like 98% there, but it's always like, how, how did you do this last little bit? <laughs> Be a good one. All right. And uh, the final one. So, what song would appear on the soundtrack to your life? The soundtrack to my life. Um, I'm going to go Johnny Cash, Ring of Fire. Right. I wasn't expecting that. Love that track. It's a good one. 
it's a good one it's just yeah it's uh i don't know something is something about it love it but that, that can be my my soundtrack is is it's all going down in flames listen james i've really enjoyed this one now thanks a million for jumping on hey brian thank you so much for having me really nice to meet you great to talk to you and thanks to everybody for listening
Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you're interested in signing up the Band Builder Academy, use the link in the show notes below and enter the code CONCERTS and you'll receive 10% off. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.